What is up, everybody? It's Friday. You know what that means. It's another edition of Curveballs and Chair Shots. My name is Brandon Tangoma, sitting electronically more than six feet away from me is my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Hobson. Dominic, we've been in this pandemic for a year. We've been doing this Zoom for like 10 months. We finally have you with a stellar microphone. You're not just plugging in your Apple headphones. So maybe you're going to be giving the people some eargasms on this episode. I highly doubt that. I mean, I'm going to talk very softly because I don't know how loud I am. Dominic, just talk normally. Have faith in the equipment that it'll level you out properly. So don't be, you know, don't be, don't be a Dominic, okay? Okay, be well, professional. Then, well then, ask me again. How am I doing? Ask, ask, ask it again. Come on. <clears throat> Dominic, how are you doing today? Brandon, I am doing fan-fucking-tastic. How are you? I'm just fine. If you want to speak up just a tad bit. Oh, well, see now. God damn it. I don't want to yell at you. You can yell, Dominic. It's fine. I can take it. I'm a big boy. But can the fans, the millions, take my voice amplified? Amplified. Amplify. Brandon. Hi. Hi. So we have, unfortunately, we have some deaths. We have to go over both tragic in their own special way. First, we have Elgin Baylor. He passed away at the age of 86, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, one of the early greats of all time. He passed away, I believe, Monday, something like that. He was a longtime uh, Minneapolis and L.A. Laker. Then he turned into a Los Angeles Clipper executive, passed away this week dominic your thoughts on one of the greats maybe one of the unsunk heroes because we kind of talk about jerry west and uh bill russell from that era but i don't think a lot of people you know maybe give elgin baylor the credit that he deserves i mean it's definitely a sad passing he uh definitely overlooked on a lot of different things um i I would say if you're not somewhat of a super fan you won't know much about him because like you said you'll hear jerry west all these other I would say bigger names, but definitely, definitely, you know, one of the, I would say one of the greats, you know, just because you don't know his name doesn't mean he wasn't great. So, which is terms of Dominic saying, like, I didn't really know much about him. Damn. So looks like the mailman's here. Love to see it. Like I was just, I was just about to eat a chip. And I was like, oh, I'm muted. And then you said that, so I dropped the chip just for you, Brandon. So I can kill time while the man, 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 madman? Got a madman on the use? No, no. I might be a little drunk still, so. You were drunk yesterday? on the. You were drunk on the job, Dominic? I forgot I worked last night, so I couldn't say that, huh? Damn. I am sober as a kitten, okay? Sober no as a goat for me. Sure. Is that, is that a real saying, or is that you just made that up? I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Is I think that's a saying. I mean, sober as a gopher. I think. God damn it! Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Dominic is the one that's supposed to have the barking dogs all the time. Yeah, I got I got the mascots laying on my legs, all nice and passed out and everything, keeping my legs warm, too warm, if you ask me. Anyways, okay. we have. I think we're good until they bark again, or until the phone rings. 
which is always nice. But we have a, another passing, a sudden passing. The NCAA tournament is still going on. Grand Canyon University was in said tournament. And on Tuesday, Oscar Freyer, Fryer, he passed away via a car accident. He was an Oakland native, I believe. He went to Monroe High School. I'm not exactly sure because I saw something on the news, but uh, from Oakland, you know, got to give him, you know, got to show some respect, pay our pay our respects over to uh, to Oscar. You know, a sad tragedy and kind of just kind of came out of nowhere, obviously. So R.I.P. I mean, definitely. I mean, yeah, he's from Oakland, but I mean, just literally playing a game a few days before and you die. It's something that you never want to see. So um, terrible news. Thoughts go out to his family, teammates. Hopefully, you know, th- this is the situation where I hope his team goes all the way and wins. Like, wouldn't that be just a great, I mean, stat, sad, but great story that tragedy strikes the team. They, you know, come together and win. It'd be amazing. That would be just an unbelievable story that I don't think anybody would think would ever happen. You know why, Dominic? Why is that? Because they've been eliminated from the tournament. God damn it. Well, that's just a perfect segue into the MLB. We have some MLB news to talk about. If you do recall a few weeks or a few months ago, we talked about the Los Angeles Angels clubby was in some hot water. He was fired because he was giving away his little secret stuff to other players, to other pitchers rather, to uh, get a advantage on the competition and his own team. And we kind of, Talked a little bit about it and said, oh, it's, it's probably going to be an unwritten rule. It's something that MLB acknowledges or you know knows that goes on, but doesn't exactly do anything about it. But they actually came out with an attempt to crack down on the foreign substance issue that's been going on. And so here is what is going on. According to Jeff Passan, they are going to have an increased monitoring, monitoring by compliance officials. Inspections of baseballs taken out of play and will be used by a third-party lab. And they're also going to uh, do some spin rate analysis. So I guess if your spin rate just jumps drastically in one game or throughout your career, I don't know. But Dominic, we thought they weren't going to do anything. And now the MLB is trying to do something. Do you think they're just overcompensating? I mean, you know, one little thing goes wrong and they just, because of everything nowadays with, I'm going to just use the word scandals, just being very broad um is it that they're overreacting or and whatnot or do you think it's actually legit this time i don't know if i would say it's an overreaction i think with the things that came out of la they want to make it seem like they're doing something now i don't know what they're going to find because i i feel as though there's probably a lot of pitchers that are using it maybe this is just kind of window shopping and just being like, look, we're going to crack down. So don't do anything or don't make it too, too outrageous. Don't be like Michael Pineda or, you know, the other people out there who are just dousing themselves in pine tar and sunscreen and whatever the hell else they use. And like, what are you going to do? Like if you do the spin rate analysis, is there like a certain threshold? What happens if people go do like, driveline and things that Trevor Bauer is doing in the off season. And they like unlock a certain tool that allows their spin rate to just magically increase. And they're doing it the, the, the good way. And yet they, I don't know exactly what a spin rate, you know, 
total is or where's the accurate place to put it. But if it jumps up a substantial amount in the offseason, are you going to be like, oh, you know, you're a bad person? Do you have to pair that with the spin rate and the substance and a, take a ball out of, you know, out of play and look at it? I don't know. It's just, I, I feel, we, I mean, I, I think we said annoying. it last week that just, you know, just maybe make, make a legal substance that everyone can agree upon. But I know that's easier said than done. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you are, you are okaying something. I mean, like it, it's kind of like in the world with drugs. You okay one drug, but then someone's gonna say, "Oh, why can't we? This is just as fine, or whatever." And then, you know, you're once again legalizing something illegal. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I think this would be fine if it wasn't as confusing. But you know, it's the MLB. You never know. And then also, you maybe make people not do the sticky substances. But then, what happens if they do other ways? to alter the ball, whether it is like, you know, put a thumbtack in their glove and, you know, scratch it up so they can get some nasty, nasty movement on their pitches. And well, I, I mean, I guess that's what the inspections out of, you know, take the balls out of play inspections are for, but I, I think it's more of what we kind of talked about when this story first happened. I'm surprised that they're actually doing something about it, it is kind of weird that they're doing it a week before the season actually starts, but I think it's going to be one of those things that we talk about it now and then it just kind of fades away and no, there's going to be no big stories or suspensions come out of it. Until somebody, oh, okay. I don't know if you heard that, but it makes me nervous. We did. We did. Okay. Um, but what's going to happen is one person, some nobody pitcher, it's going to happen to them because he's going to think like, Oh, who gives a shit? And it's going to cause a big fucking waterfall effect and it's an effect everybody would just watch something that we could might some might call a waterfall effect is the deshaun watson allegations they just continue to mount and mount and mount and it's uh, very troubling that there's these all these allegations now obviously uh you know innocent until proven guilty but dominic it's uh, it's not looking good for deshaun watson and i mean we talked about it last week where i think it was up to 12 or seven people that were alleging him of sexual misconduct during massages and other forms of, you know, sexual assault. And now it's like almost up to 20 or something crazy like that. I mean, we don't really know, spend too much time on it because we addressed it yesterday or last week, but I, I will say, I believe the women, but I will acknowledge that it is odd timing that Deshaun Watson is getting all these allegations thrown at him right when he's kind of throwing a hissy fit of how he wants to trade, get traded from the Texans. And also the lawyer that is handling, I believe all of these cases has a link to the Houston Texans organization. Well, what I was going to say was, you know, and like we said last week, we agree with the women. I mean, you know, this day and age, the cleanest person's even dirty. So that's why I believe the women, but and I do agree with you with saying that how is it that, you know, he's trying to get traded and then, oh, well, I have an issue and I have an issue. But the question I have is what is, I mean, I haven't read into anything. I'm just going off with the tabloids and everything, which is bad, you know, bad on my part. But what is, what's coming out that he's doing? Is it that he's saying, hey, you want to touch it? Or is he, is he forcing himself upon him or because my thing is sexual misconduct is just more what just lewd 
words like you know like i said like you want to touch it or is it is he taking their hands and putting because that would be sexual assault which would result in a with an arrest correct i believe so i'm not a lawyer i just play one on a podcast that millions of people listen to but i haven't exactly dove too deep into exactly what they're what he's alleged of doing but like some things i've heard is like during a massage he'll like you know tell them to do some things you're not supposed to be doing during a, a massage a clinical you know normal person to person that you pay for massage but uh yeah i mean if he's alleged or if he's convicted or found guilty of doing these things obviously he's gonna be maybe thrown in jail or you know a hefty fine and he's a rich person so he probably will get away with a slap on the wrist because that this is america and that's what happens but what are we in march we still have a long ways to go until the actual nfl season we have some nfl trades we are going to talk about and this story is far, far from over. I thought you were going to keep talking, so I was just like, oh, it's not going to say anything. I mean, but. come on, Dominic. Am I that long-winded? I'm I'm not long-winded whatsoever. I mean, you, you've definitely gone on some, you know, long, you know, tangents before. So that's why I was like, you know, this is far from over. I thought you were going to jump right into the next one. You didn't say anything. I was just like awkwardly having, hovering my finger over the mute button. But, you know. It is what it is, Brandon. So why don't you jump in to the, I don't know. Didn't we just talk about something with Miami and the Niners or something like that? Is that what's yes, next? Yes, we or? did, Dominic. Good job. Even though you have access to the script, you can always pull it up. But you just were on a kinetic wavelength. So you know exactly what we're going to talk about. Yes, we have two NFL draft trades that took place just mere minutes or hours before this podcast started. Now, the big one that came out is a deal between the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers. So the Dolphins are going to be sending the number three overall pick in this year's draft to the Niners in exchange for the Niners number 12 pick in this year's draft and a third round pick, as well as the first round pick of 2022 and 2023. So a hefty price tag that the 49ers dealt to the Dolphins just to get the number three overall pick. News has come out that Jimmy G, the 49ers have no plans of trading Jimmy G. Now, if you do have plans, you would say that because you want to get the most out of him. But is you know interesting timing that you trade the farm for the number three pick. A lot of there's a lot of quarterbacks out there. There's not like a standout number one overall defensive end, cornerback, linebacker you know, a Bosa, Khalil Mack, or anything like that out there in the draft. So it's going to lend a lot of people to speculate that they're looking at a Justin Fields or the kid out of North Dakota, even the, uh, was it Mac Jones out of Alabama? Dominic, what do you think the 49ers are looking at with this massive trade? They are looking for the next. I don't know. I feel like Jimmy G as long as he doesn't shit the bed, like I always speculate that, you know, as long as he puts up decent numbers, I feel like he, he has the weapons around him to, you know, take him somewhere. If it's playoffs, if it's Super Bowl, whatever. So with this being said, I think they're looking for his backup or they're going to, you know, just like what happens all the time in sports is they, they get a good prospect and then they, you know, send them somewhere else for somebody else. So, I mean, there's always that chance as well. 
I mean, I got it. It's going to probably be Fields because I'm pretty sure Lawrence is going to go to Jacksonville. So, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll we'll, we'll see who's left at number three. One interesting scenario is that the 49ers announced they say they have no plans to trade Jimmy G, but maybe they are are listening to a few teams. The New England Patriots seemingly still have interest in getting Jimmy G back. If you're the 49ers with they have a ready-made Super Bowl contending team already. Would you trade Jimmy G for Cam Newton plus some draft picks? Do you think if you put if you put Cam Newton in that offense with Kittle and Usechek and you know the wide receivers Debo and everyone like that, do you think they could if Cam is to switch over to the 49ers if that is a viable possibility for the 49ers to contend this year? I really don't know. I feel that um, in my head, going off of last year, Jimmy G and Cam Newton aren't too far apart. I think Jimmy G at last year was the better quarterback. With that being said, though, if the pot is right, I think the Niners would bite on something like that. Because Cam still can Cam, – Cam would be better out running out of the pocket and all that kind of stuff. Jimmy's not. So – Definitely. I think if the pot is sweetened, I can see them biting. Yeah. I think it all just depends on what someone is willing to give Jimmy G. Like I'm not trading Jimmy G for a fifth or a sixth round pick. Cause this team I do believe is definitely playoff ready. If not, maybe super bowl ready. If everything comes together, everyone stays healthy and all that good fun stuff. So if you draft a let's just say they draft a quarterback, they get Justin Fields. You don't, I don't think you want to put, you know, a rookie quarterback in that scenario and kind of risk this ready-made team and kind of make it all fall apart just because you have a a rookie quarterback. Now the upside I think is much better compared to what Jimmy G's upside is, but I think Jimmy G has a much higher floor. Jimmy G is not going to be as terrible as maybe a rookie quarterback trying to, and especially in that division where you can't drop a game or two here and there when you got the Rams, the Cardinals and the, uh, the the Rams Cardinals and Seahawks just kind of all contending and maybe I forget exactly how many teams are making the playoffs, but I wouldn't be shocked if three teams from the NFC West make the playoffs this year, unless they just all beat up on each other. And I mean, and that's the thing that you got to think about nowadays is with the whole new playoffs and everything, each division is going to be difficult. So every game is going to count, especially in those last, you know, four or five game stretch at the end of the season, every game counts. So I would have to agree. You're not trading Jimmy G for, you know, crap. He is a decent quarterback with some potential still left. I think he still has a little bit. I'm not going to say a high, a big upside, but some potential left. So, you know, he's worth something at least. I do agree. And the draft is a few weeks away, and I would assume we're going to get a lot more trades and wheeling and dealing. Uh, we have another trade that happened with the NFL draft. Let's check it out. The Eagles have traded the number six and the number 156th overall pick to the Dolphins in exchange for that number 12 pick and the uh, number 123rd pick and a 2022 first round pick. So the Dolphins just making a whole bunch of moves. Now, you know, trading the sixth pick for the 12th pick and 
you know, flip-flop and everything like that. Maybe the Dolphins, I don't know exactly what the Dolphins are trying to do. They got Tua. They're trying to, I think, load up and make everything around Tua. I think he's still the guy. Maybe not for long if he kind of puts up what he did last year. But uh, the Eagles, you know, trade going from 6 to 12. They see they have uh, Jalen Hurts. Maybe they, they don't really need that. They don't have anybody really in mind that they want to go after. So kind of fall back, get some extra picks, and see exactly uh, what you can get out of it. You know, you just mentioned the 106th pick, right? So do you really honestly think if you get picked 106, like... Okay, just to be clear. So the Dolphins are going to be getting the... Or the Eagles... No, wait a minute. Yes, the Dolphins are going to be getting the number six pick and the number 156 pick, while the Eagles are going to get the number 12 pick, 123rd, and the Dolphins' 2022 first-round pick. But being that far, so those that are in the hundreds, is it, do you, I mean, granted, I know there's people that get picked late and they turn into be these greatest, you know, players and, you know, legends and stuff like that. But that far into the draft, I mean, is it really even worth anything still, in your opinion? Because I think being that far out, if you're not picked yet, I mean, you're clearly not that sought after so do you remember what pick tom brady went dominic i I don't know tom brady went in the sixth round antonio brown he went late there's all these late gems you can find late every yeah i know but counts well that's what i said i mean like i know there are people that go late but i mean this day you know like if you're looking at this draft class everybody that's not already being like oh he's gonna go first he's gonna go first round first round you know yeah you may get lucky by saying like ah you know fuck it we'll see this kid that's a you know a cornerback whatever see what happens and he turns out to be you know a you know a super interception machine you never know but my thing is back then you had those gems i don't really we don't really see any gems anymore in my opinion that's why i'm like is it even worth you know, if you get that far down, there's like, you know, fuck it, just pick some random person or. Well, if uh, I was going to go and let Dominic name a, a random year within the last five years. A random year within the last five years, you said? Yes. Go look up that draft class and we'll see who came out of that draft class. One, two, three, two, 99. Let's go 2017. Okay. We're going to go to the 2017 NFL draft. Let's see if. We got pro football reference. I think Wikipedia has it kind of stacked to where you can see all the uh, the good players. Let's see if I can find it. Find it. Come on, scroll through. All right, here we go. So this is playoffs or I don't know. Anyways, uh, let's see. Scroll down. Chris Godwin. He was taken in the third round. Kareem Hunt. Third round. Shaquille Griffin. Kenny Galladay, which we'll talk about him. He was taken in the third round. James Conner. Third round, 105, Eddie Jackson, 112. Tariq Cohen, fourth round, 119th pick. Uh, Scroll down, scroll down. George Kittle, fifth round, 146th pick. I mean. All right, I'm going to shut the fuck up, and uh, I'm going to, you know, respect the 150th pick. Hashtag hashtag free Aaron Jones, fifth round pick, 182 overall. And that is looking like the last player of note that was drafted. So George Kittle and Aaron Jones take it in the fifth round or sixth round for Aaron Jones or yeah, fifth round for both of them. 
you can you can get some good players at the back end of the draft. Okay, not I'll guaranteed. My, I'm gonna eat my words. I'll eat my words. But I mean, if you look at the draft, a lot of the the big names, the you know big trade out of here is they're trading the six and twelve, and then the Eagles are also getting the 2022 first round pick for the Dolphins next year, which maybe the Dolphins will be good, and that pick will be in the 20s or something. I highly doubt it, but we shall see. Now, I dropped his name earlier. We have Kenny Galladay. He has signed with the team. Your boy was very dead fast on predicting he was going to go to the Denver Broncos. No reason whatsoever. And, of course, I was wrong. He has signed with the New York football Giants. That offense is just loaded with talented playmakers. Obviously, you got Saquon Barkley. You got Kenny Galladay. You got... Uh, some other wide receivers, Golden Tate, and some other people of that nature. And uh, a Golden Tate Golden? went somewhere oh. else. Whatever. Now I got it. You know, Dominic, now you're just making me. Uh, yeah. Okay. You're not making me look like an idiot. I'm looking like an idiot because I said something and then I just completely blinked on who the hell is on the goddamn. Well, no, no. I just remember I think Golden Tate signed somewhere else. Didn't he go to the Eagles or Jets or something like that? I'm pretty sure he did. All right, here we go. This is what I was looking at. All right, so the offensive weapons for the New York Giants. Daniel Jones at quarterback, Saquon Barkley running back, wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and John Ross III. And then at tight end, you got Evan Ingram. So, of course, the one uh, one wide receiver I pull out of the hat isn't even on the team. And I got you. Got you, bitch. Damn it, Dominic. Anyways, but Kenny Galladay going to a, on paper, loaded Giants offense good move what do you see the giants going this year winning the super bowl calling it i'm just throwing it out there even though they they are in the nfc east that is definitely a possibility i definitely think i mean if if i'm going off of just what i'm looking at right now i'm gonna say fuck it it's gonna be i don't know i I don't think i i think they'll do great but not good not great enough to win a playoff game now, last year, it was the defense of the Giants that was kind of keeping them in games, and the offense was really struggling. Now, obviously, with Saquon Barkley out injured, that's going to be it's going to be a hard hill to climb. But adding, I mean, adding Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay to that offense in the lackluster NFC East. Now, Dak Prescott's coming back to the Cowboys. Who knows how much he'll be back? But Dominic saying he's going to be trash. He'll be benched in the middle of the season. But uh, we shall see. I think this is a obviously it's a good move for the Giants. Maybe you could have, if you look at all those weapons they have, maybe you could have gone somewhere else with that money. But I still believe Kenny Galladay is a uh, top 10, at least, wide receiver. And Daniel Jones, I mean, time is sure to get off the pot. You got all those weapons with you. And if you're not able to do anything with them, I, we, I mean, we were, we were still, we were doing this podcast when he got drafted in the first round and I know Dominic didn't know too much about him. I barely know anything about him. And I was like, you're going to take this kid from Duke this high up in the draft. Like what the hell? And it's, it's kind of playing out that way. Well, I, I, you got to give him credit. He did fairly decent last year. Um, there are some key moments where you're like, all right, I guess I, I, I can see the potential. And then you, then the next player, like, oh, what the fuck? So I 100% agree. It, if this season he does not get the job done, he'll be out of a job. 
And we can quickly run through some of the other notable signings. Chris Carson has re-signed with the Seattle Seahawks. He has a history of kind of getting injured, but when he is on the field, he is a very productive. And Dominic, what is that? Your code word for you to have no idea who this guy is? I don't give a shit. Fuck the Seahawks. All right. Yeah, I don't know anything. Philip Lindsay has signed with the Houston Texans. We questioned the Texans signing Mark Ingram because we both thought that Ingram and David Johnson were very similar running backs. And now they get their smaller, more pass catching, elusive running back. I was kind of, I feel like Philip Lindsay wasn't really all that good last year. Of course, you're probably going to be able to shit you know, shit on me and be like, oh, well, you know, he threw up, you know, a hundred thousand yards. But everything that I saw from him last year did not make me think he would be going to a different team. It would be, he stayed with the Broncos or he, you know, probably stayed a free agent for a while. Um, granted. Yeah. The smaller guy that can, you know, be that little hidden receiver, catch the ball, run it. But I definitely don't think this is a good fit for the Texans, but we'll have to wait and see. Philip Lindsay is six days younger than your boy, July 24th, 1994. In 2020, he played 11 games, rushed for 502 yards with one touchdown. So not the uh, most, I mean, he was behind Melvin Gordon and Melvin Gordon had a, a decent year. So, I mean, he's always been the backup. He's never been the guy in, uh, in Denver, but I mean, uh, but that's the thing, though. Now is he he's the backup to the backup because Ingram's not going to be the starting runner running back. It's uh, David Johnson, David Johnson. Yes. So, I mean, realistically, he's the backup to the backup. Or like you said, you can throw him in that, you know, little random slot or something like that. But I mean, I don't know. I don't think he I don't think it's going to he's going to gel really well in, in Houston. Ooh, gel really well. I see you, Dominic, with the bars. Get your, little, get your microphone, you know, you're doing it handheld, you're spitting some bars, you know, everybody from the 313, put your motherfucking hands up and follow me. I'm, I'm the doctor of thugonomics. Word life. We get veteran speedster Deshaun Jackson. He is signing with the Los Angeles Rams. Matt Stafford over there getting another weapon. I mean, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, was it Josh Reynolds? And now Deshaun Jackson, he, I mean, he's, he's hurt all the time. I mean, he, what he, I think he had a really good game in the first game of the season. And then after that, he was hurt the entire rest of the season for, for the most part. So, I mean, he's a speedster. He's not going to, he's a solid veteran guy to sign and maybe hope he stays healthy and he can break one off every now and then. Rams looking fucking scary. They do look quite scary. Something that's not very scary is Joe Flacco. He has signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. Hometown boy coming to play for his hometown team. I mean, we got, uh, oh my God, Jalen Hurts. They haven't fully committed to him being the number one guy, but I would assume after the Carson Wentz trade that he is the number one guy going into the, uh, the regular season. Joe Flacco, obviously a much different quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But uh, it's fine. I mean, he was with the Jets and didn't do too bad filling for Sam Donald. I wanted to hit you with the who, because that guy has fucking fallen off the face of the earth since winning the Super Bowl. So, hey, don't, I mean, Joe Flacco, 
I know during the regular season, but that one Super Bowl run he had, he was the greatest quarterback in playoff history. He was so efficient. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't take that away from him. But ever since that, whew, he, uh, you know, not looking too good for him. Then we got T.Y. Hilton is coming back to the Indianapolis Colts. Solid veteran uh, wide receiver. And speaking of Carson Wentz, he will be probably Carson Wentz's security blanket. Okay. Damn, Dominic. No words for T.Y. Hilton. He was terrible. He was god-awful at the beginning of the season. and then See what I mean? There you go. Look, you took the words right out of my mouth. But he kind of found it, and he got his shit together. He looked like the old T.Y. from Andrew Luck days. And he, he put it together at the end of the season. Dominic, go check that email. And, yeah, so. Kim maybe, Kardashian West beauty. Oh, it went away. Oh, the uh, studio audience still buying all the, the Kylie Jenner makeup. Yeah, let's not talk about that right now. Ooh, okay. Then Malcolm Butler made his name in Arizona with that pick at the one-yard line in the Super Bowl. He is going to be playing in Arizona a hell of a lot more. Arizona bolstering up that defense. We kind of talked about maybe that secondary is where they should look at to upgrade. And that's what they're doing. So the question I have is, so I'm sure... This is a stupid question, which I get one or two. Dominic, there's no pop. such thing as a stupid question. Are do you stupid still have people asking questions? Oh, thanks. Do you still have faith in Kyler Murray? I feel like this will, in my opinion, he's on the chopping block. I feel like after the first couple seasons, you know, you 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 get your you get your 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 mulligans, but I think this season for me, he should be able to fucking tear shit up. So I don't know. Do you have faith in him still? I would say I still have faith in Kyler Murray. Now you bring in Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray as a dual package. Is one going to succeed without the other? Is you know Kyler Murray a better quarterback than Cliff Kingsbury as a coach? I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, he is not really proven really at any level. Even when he was at was a Texas Tech in college, he was like you know a 500 team, and he wasn't doing all that well. So. I think I put maybe a little bit more of the blame on Cliff Kingsbury, but I will, I mean, I will agree with you kind of the opposite of what T.Y. Hilton was doing. Kyler Murray balling at the beginning of the year. And then when they were trying to make that playoff run and they really had it like in their hands, all they had to do was just kind of win out and take care of business. And they, they couldn't do that. That 49er loss on Christmas really fucked them over. And I would, I don't know if I'd say it's a make or break year. Like if you don't make the playoffs or do anything like you you fire them, but it's like they have their moments and you see that. So do you really want to, you know, ditch that when you, I don't know. It's, it's kind of an awkward situation that the Cardinals I think are put in right now. Cause they're kind of in limbo. You have the really tough division. Do you want to do a, a big rebuild and just kind of give up? Cause I think they're closer than they've really been since those Kurt Warner years. Well, and that's the thing for me is just, you know, 100. I have to think that this is the make break a year for him, but I just don't see it happening. And that's what gets me frustrated because he could have been with the A's, Brandon. Could have been with the A's, but 
he saw the bag and financially i still think he made the right decision we had the nba trade deadline come and go this past wednesday not too many big name trades we thought maybe kyle lowry would be on the move uh tyler hero uh, let's see some other ones that were kind of floated out there. i think aaron gordon chris hero chris hero what's he doing being a mark okay Okay, we didn't get too many big-name trades, but there were two that we wanted to talk about. The Miami Heat, uh, they traded to get a Victor Oladipo from the Houston Rockets. He was kind of the big name that we kind of just assumed was going to be moved. The Rockets are just god-awful. They've lost so many games in a row, and it's very comical at this point. And they also are the front runners to get LaMarcus Aldridge once he gets bought out of his contract. So the Miami Heat loading up for the playoff run, trying to go up against the Brooklyn Nets. Miami getting LaMarcus Aldridge and Victor Oladipo. Dominic, what do you think about this? I think it's freaking going to make for some great basketball, especially during the playoffs when you have the Nets and Heat. Ooh-wee, it's going to be one heck of a showdown. Um, Aldridge up there in age a little bit, I think. Um, definitely not the young center he used to be, but still dominant in the paint. Um, Oladipo. You know, being with uh, Butler and I think Drogic is still on it, right? So I think it would be a good one, two, three, and then a five. So I think it would be great. Yeah, this really sets up the heat for the playoff run. I think they're a lot deeper than the the Nets are. I mean, you got all these guys and you can't put them all on the floor at the same time. So, as a, you know, as the Heat fan on the podcast, I'm be a little homer. And I, I like the moves. You're kind of – you got to sell – a little bit to get Victor Oladipo, obviously. So maybe the back end might might be uh, not too pretty, but uh, I like it, and I am hoping that the Heat can repeat as I almost said like NFC East, but no Eastern Conference champions. And then the other big name trade that happened, we got some point guard swapping the uh, Atlanta Hawks, not the Falcons, trade Rajon Rondo to the Clippers while the Clippers trade Lou Williams to the Hawks. So Rajon Rondo now with the Clippers, Lou Williams now on the Hawks. I don't know how to feel about that. I think Williams, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I feel like Williams is the better out of the two. Rondo, I think, is definitely, you know, I think he's washed up now. I think he's done. So I would have kept Williams but that's just me. Hawks got a great deal. Yeah, hey, I got to agree with you. I think uh, Lou is the better overall player. A little, I think I would assume a little younger, uh, better on defense and offense. Rondo, he's going to be more of the classical, just dish and facilitate point guard. He's not going to go and score even in his prime with the Celtics. That really wasn't his game. And maybe that's what they're banking on is Rondo can be the guy to pass to PG and Kawhi. But if, you know, playoff George rears his ugly head again, then you don't get a kind of bailout with Rondo like you might be able to get with Lou. So uh, maybe a slight downgrade for the Clippers, but when you got two of the best players in the league, I think they're going to be able to overcome that. Who? Are, wait, you're saying that Paul George, George is one of the best players in the league? I would say that. I'm not going to sit here and say he's top 10, but he's definitely one of the better players in the league. Okay, never mind. And, and Kawhi is what, 
at least top five, maybe top three. Mm, top five. Top five, top five, top five. Speaking of some top five injuries, we got some big names going down this past week. Steph Curry, he is down. He hurt his hole. He's out with a tailbone injury. And also LeBron James is out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain. Now, the Warriors, they're, they were in the mix, and now the Curry injury definitely hurts them. But I think overall that this James injury hurts the Lakers even more because they're still dealing with Anthony Davis being out with a calf injury, and he's been out since, I think, February. And that's a bunch of cap space and everything devoted to those two players. And the Lakers aren't very deep to begin with. And when you take out two of the top five best players in the league – you're not going to you know not going to be very successful and they're going to fall down in the rankings and hopefully everyone gets healthy for the playoffs but Dominic your your thoughts your opinions on these two big name players going down well for Anthony Davis I definitely just want to touch on that subject the only thing that keeps popping in my head is the um Kevin Durant in the playoffs where he just calf and everybody was oh it's a calf 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 and then boom Achilles so, if I rather have Anthony Davis sit out the rest of the fucking season than risk his Achilles, because that would be in the back of my head, would be that he's gonna come off, I'm great, and then rupture it, and you have a Kevin Durant situation. Now, going to LeBron, you know, it's a sprain. Yeah, maybe high, maybe you know, level three, whatever you want to call it, some tragic thing. It's fucking LeBron James. Let's be honest. He he's gonna rest. He's gonna heal up. He's gonna be training his ass off still, so he'll be back, you know, as fast as he can. And like I said, LeBron James, he's fucking a machine. Uh, Curry hurting his tailbone. I feel like that's just you know, you gotta have some meat on that ass, boy. I mean, you can't you can't take a bump on your butt and you know expect to you know be fine. So that's just you know, do some squats, buddy. Skinny boy problems. Dominic's thick, so he doesn't got to worry about breaking his tailbone, right? Uh, I'd probably break it. Okay. Well, studio doesn't studio audience say you know you don't have that much of an ass. What are you talking about? I am fucking caking. Yes, Dominic, you are fucking caking. Uh, lastly, just another injury news: Lamelo Ball hurt his wrist. He is out, I believe, the rest of the season. Definitely sucks. I mean, Lamelo has been balling. He was the front runner for the uh, rookie of the year, maybe going to take the Charlotte Hornets to the playoffs and we get some more LeVar Ball action. But unfortunately, LaMelo goes down and just a, a sad sight, especially because the Hornets have been such a, a terrible franchise pretty much for their entire existence. And they finally get a bright spot and he goes down. Is there a chance if they make playoffs, he will play? The, everyone says that he's out the rest of the season. Now, what is that? We're in March. Playoffs start around May, April, and I mean, a month, month and a half recovery time because the Charlotte Hornets, let's be honest, they're going to be bounced in the first round. That I, I would just assume shut it down. Don't rush into it. We, he's, he's like the only person you really have. You don't want him to go down and be like a Kevin Durant situation where he comes in with a broken wrist and then he leaves with, I don't know, a separate shoulder or something. I don't know what happens with your arm and shooting and stuff, but I mean, I, I was just thinking since it's a wrist, I mean, you can try to 
tape it up really lose, good. Or what happens if you lose your shot? Lamelo, if he loses his shot, then what is Lamelo? Another Rajon Rondo just fucking being an assist machine. Alrighty, then that'll do it for the sport, unless Dominic has any other last minute things to talk about. But now we segue into the fan mail segment, otherwise known as. Ooh, this is the first time in a long time. Ready? <clears throat> Mr. X's questions of the week. Bum bum. Is there end friends? No end friends. Once okay. again, we're on a we're on a, on a cold streak with the end friends part. This is terrible. Fucking terrible. I okay. I hate to see it. Hey, let's double check and make sure. Uh... Nope, just Mr. X. Okay, like always, because he is the goat at sending questions. But I hate UFC questions. God damn it, Jesus! I'm gonna help you. Up. I already know the. I already know the names he's gonna say, but I'm not gonna help you. I'm pretty sure we've actually when you we did, know. We, yeah, we we've, we've we've said the name before, but you know, Thomas forgets. It's me. So he says greetings. So hello, Mr. X. By the way, I saw the shirt on AEW. Fucking badass. Um, let's see. Okay. God. Howdy. It's gonna be terrible. Well, it's UFC time again. Can Francis Naganyu? Inganu. 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 Don't finally the, live up to the Please don't put the Af- please don't put the African accent on that, Dominic. <laughs> I thought he was canceled. Else. Canceled. Never mind. <laughs> Um, can he? Can well, now I need to know what did you think he was? I figured it'd be like some type of like, uh, you know, Polynesian or something like that. No, I thought you were gonna say French because he might be French African. I don't know. Yeah, anyways, can Mr. Francis finally live up to the hype and win the heavyweight title, Brandon? Well, the old adage goes you got a, a puncher's chance, and Francis Ngannou definitely has the power to knock out Stipe. Now it's Stipe, everyone's saying, oh, he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. Is he? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But when it comes to these heavyweight bouts and, it, you know, we all the pay-per-views Mr. X will send in, I'll, I'll say like, oh, you know, they have a chance, but I think the champion or the favorite is going to end up winning. But when it comes to the heavyweights, I think it's definitely more up in the air because of the power that Nganu has. And it just takes one solid punch to knock him out. Now, for me, I am going to still stick with Stipe. I think Stipe is going to be able to, you know, be able to get him on the ground and beat him. And yeah, but it, I mean, what Derek Lewis, what he did a couple of weeks ago where someone shoots on him and he was prepared for it, a little, little one piece, a little uppercut, and then he's down. Okay, Brandon, I will agree because I don't know. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen Mr. Francis fight, but I've seen Stipe fight so is his last name miocic boy. hey look at me should we um, do like a second round of NF- uh, nfc ufc questions or uh pronunciations later i mean maybe 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 but you know what's uh habib's last name nermega medoff boy. thank you rose See? what rose i don't remember who rose was nami Yunus. Yes, yeah. I, I need to see it in front of me. I don't know them. I know like the big, 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 big names, but like that, and which is probably a big name, but I don't know. Really Bork? <laughs> you asshole. Uh, don't know why that always pops you, but 
I don't know. It just, it's just because he looks, Brock Lesnar looks like a boy. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> okay. No more UFC. Here we go. We're under just a week away from opening day for MLB. Brandon, what is your early favorite going into this year? Who is your early favorite? Sorry. Early I'm, I'm, favorite. I'm, well, possibly like... we're well, possibly we're going to have a crossover MLB preview, Dominic. Brandon. Is that gonna happen? Uh yeah, it's gonna have to happen when it's my time. Oh, we have to do everything on your I I mean, let's be honest. Are we actually gonna have to do it on your time? Well, I mean, realistically, I work Sunday through again Thursday, so it had to be a Friday morning, if anything. Oh, what about those Saturdays? I feel like those Saturdays are also a prime time because you know people people do have work on Friday mornings. That is true, Brandon. You are right. I mean, maybe if we were to sweeten the pot for somebody else, because you know it's her day only day off with me, so you know. Hmm. Just random question. I know we maybe tried to do this last week, but uh, what you guys do last week on you guys' only shared day off? Go for a walk, take her out to dinner, you know, have some some fun time. What did we do yesterday, last weekend? I honestly don't remember. I can't remember. I don't remember basically what I did a couple days ago. Don't ask me these questions. Well, I remember you texted the boys to play video games. Even though you're supposed to be so busy, we couldn't do the podcast. Oh, yeah, because you guys wanted to fucking do it whenever, you know, at three o'clock or whatever. I was like, no, I, I only had that time. You know what? Don't you literally texted us at like two thirty, two o'clock. Yeah. And that was because. How, wait a minute, how do you know we we're going to actually do it at three o'clock? You just assumed it was going to be three o'clock. I, OK, because I think last week is when she worked. And I said that, okay, and it's only going to be for a few hours, so we would have to do it in the morning. You're like, oh, well, it's too fucking early. So then I was like, okay, so I picked her up, and we went, and I don't know. I know we went a couple places, and then she was like, see if they want to play. And then you're like, oh, I thought you are too busy. You want to do the podcast. I'm like, you know, I'm just following my orders. Anyways, our early favorites for – the MLB season. Mr. X, stay tuned for an MLB preview sooner rather than later. Maybe we'll get it done before the All-Star break. I don't know. But the obvious ones are the Dodgers. The Dodgers, I think, with a clear front runner to repeat. They got even better with Trevor Bauer. Lost a few pieces, but they weren't the marquee pieces. You got Cody. You got uh, Mookie. You know, Justin Justin Turner. You got – you have everyone. Kyler, Kyler Murray. Walker Bueller. Clayton Kershaw. I mean, it's the Dodgers. The Dodgers, I know we're kind of putting the cart before the horse here, but I'm pretty sure they're going to make the World Series again unless they fall off a cliff or someone goes down injured. Now, on the American League side, I do think it's a little bit more wide open. You got the the Yankees, which I I don't want to, you know, show my hand here, but I do think the Yankees aren't going to live up to expectations. I mean, they haven't lived up to expectations since, what, 2008, 2007. But I do think that NFC, God damn it, I did it again. The AL East is going to be a little tougher, especially with the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are going to surprise some people, and they're going to be a, a sneaky good team this year. Not saying they're going to win 90 games and make a playoff or make a wild card, but I do think with, especially with the Rays, the Rays probably a little bit of a fall off, but it's they're going to you know do some sorcery and 
be in the hunt. The Blue Jays are hopefully going to take a, a good step forward with Marcus Simeon and uh, George Springer. And then you got the the Baltimore Orioles just down there in the cellar. They'll, they'll win a few games here and there. But uh, the Twins over in the Central, it's time for them to shit or get off the pot and actually do something. And then over on the West Coast, I'm going to ride or die with the A's. And I think the Astros are going to have some struggles. I like that the one team you did not mention. Never mind. I'm going to shut the fuck up. I think they're Dom- national. I can't remember if they're national. Oh, God. Dominic, God damn it. Now you need to say it. You can't just say something and then say, I'm, I'm an idiot. And then come on. What team are you going to bring up? White Sox. What the fuck? I thought we were, you were so high on them in the offseason, like, you know, beginning of the offseason with all these acquisitions and shit. And then you don't even mention them. Congratulations, Dominic. The White Sox are in the American League. Good job. And yes, I did kind of gloss over them. They are a team that if produced correctly, if they everything, you know, lived up to expectations, they're almost kind of like the Padres. They are very exciting. They have all the big name young players and I, I hope they do well. They look like a very exciting team with uh, Abreu and Tim Anderson and William Hendricks and Lance Lynn and Closer. everyone else over there. They're definitely going to be a fun team. And as I said, with the twins, I mean, I think it's going to be between those two teams who wins the central, but uh, when it comes to the American league, my favorite would be, I think it's like so much, like so muddled and it's really hard for me to kind of pick a team that I think will rise above everyone. Like I think everyone, I don't think there's going to be a hundred game winner in the American league. Like I think the Dodgers will just win a hundred games and yeah, the Padres will maybe put up a fight a little bit, but I think all in all the Padres will win like maybe 92 games. And yet there'll still be like 10 games back of the Dodgers. Cause the Dodgers are this that damn good. I'm just going to fucking say it. It's going to be the Dodge Dondern Dodgers. It's going to be the Dodgers. And it's going to be the I think it's going to be a West Coast American League team, I think. Is it going to be the A's, Angels? Seattle Mariners from out of nowhere. Could be, could be, but I'm going to go. I'm sticking with the Dodgers to to go all the way back, and I got a feeling it's going to be an American League West team. I don't know which one. I think it's just going to be a revolving door, but I'm definitely going to stick with someone in the AL West. Don't know just yet. Yeah, I'm going to save that for next week. And now I'm going to go with the AL East. East Coast biased out here. All right. Uh, Let's see. It's kind of weird. We went UFC, MLB. Now we got an NBA question. What? Let's see. Shaq has been quoted as saying that the trade to bring Rondo to the Clippers has improved the team leadership-wise with this championship experience being with the Lakers last season. What do you think about this trade? We kind of covered it. You know, Rondo definitely not they should have kept Lou. it's like Lou the mark Ing- it's like the mark ingram deal better behind the scenes but not that much on the court exactly um that's it for sports we're gonna we got a couple of wrestling questions retribution are they really really done rip <laughs> are they really done with this group if so what was the point of it or are they doing this because Ali is reportedly dealing with a PCL injury to his knee and they felt he needed some time off to heal? Ali came out and said that he's not getting no surgery anytime soon. 
but I will say it is kind of weird timing that you put so much time and effort into retribution. It did kind of fall apart at the end of 2020. I mean, maybe even before then, but I mean, it felt, let's be honest, it fell apart by the time they got introduced because of all the stupid shenanigans they were doing, but I am fine with them just cutting bait and just saying, okay, we're done with this. And if Ali just goes off and does his own thing, whether he's kind of the same type of character or completely different, that's fine. But I think kind of the writing's on the wall with Ali. You can only get so much out of him. What I'm looking at is Mia Yim and Donovan Dajkovic. Like those are the two people out of that group that you can actually get something out of. And especially with the way the raw women's division is where you, we're going to talk about it. You have nobody. So then you have to kind of hot shot the, you know, the debuting rookie, which who knows exactly what they're going to do with her. And if you bring me Yim into the fold and the Dominic Dijak is on Raw or SmackDown or whatever, I think those two get, those two people are definitely where you want to look at to to build your roster. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll touch on the women's division in a moment. Um, just because I got a couple of things. So going, uh, ne- uh, the I'm gonna take a little line from you. The penultimate question. It's definitely looking like the Wednesday night wars will be over soon. Do you think in the long run this will hurt or help all the companies involved by not having direct competition to drive each other? Overall, I think it'll help AEW more than it'll hurt NXT. We've I've kind of said I NXT I think has kind of fallen off, I think a substantial bit since they moved from the network onto USA and it's been two hours and they kind of have to pad everything out and it's looking like WWE main roster more and more by the week. And if you take however many people that were watching NXT, put it onto AEW, maybe that brings them to like 900,000, maybe a million. And AEW has always kind of consistently kind of said that we're not in competition with anybody. Like we're just doing our own thing. And if anything, they're more in competition with main roster WWE than NXT. Now NXT is you know, they've kind of had their, I mean, Cody and Triple H have all said their own like little quips back and forth. And it's been kind of a fun little petty banter back and forth between those guys. But on NXT's front, they're going to go back. They're going to go on Tuesdays, two hours. And if they, hopefully because there's no quote unquote competition, they can go back to more, you know, grounded storytelling and not try to hotshot and compete with viewers and, you know, put Bronson Reed and LA Knight, not really advertised all that much on a week's notice, blah, 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 when you could have maybe built it up a little bit more, but maybe you're trying to pop a rating. I don't know. So hope I'm hoping that this really benefits NXT because I'm been a little disappointed in what I've seen from them. I mean, really since the pandemic started, it's been a while. You know, it's really hard to, you know, disappoint you. So let's see. Okay. Last but not least, Brennan, are you ready for the last question? I'm ready. Okay. Will, oh, he's going first name basis. Holy crap. Will Kyle and Adam's unsanctioned match at Stand and Deliver be as good or possibly even better than the one Champa and Gargano had? I hope so. I think they have kind of dropped the ball a little bit on this undisputed era breakup. The match itself should be phenomenal, but the the only thing is it's not the main event. It's the semi-main. And when you in that type of match in the semi-main event, do you kind of hold back a little bit because you don't want to 
overshadow the main event. It probably is going to be a little shorter than what Chomp and Gargano did. So I, I mean, those Gargano Chompa matches were just so fantastic. Even cinematic match they had, yeah, it was kind of on the longer side, but I think even that one was really good. So it's a really high bar for them to, to leap over. But I, I have faith that they'll come close to it. I don't think they're going to surpass it, but I think it's going to be a really good match. See, and I'm totally the opposite. I think it's going to be god-awful because of the fact that people are going to want so much from it. And because it is semi-main, they're going to, it's going to be some stupid finish. It's going to be a draw because they both get knocked out or, you know... Uh, Bobby Fish and Strawn are going to get in the mix and they're going to get separate. They're going to, you know, they're going to pick their sides and, you know, all, all these alliances, it's going to be something stupid like that. So I think it's going to be God awful. Yeah. I mean, I don't have like five star expectations. I would say maybe, you know, four stars. I think it'll be, it's gonna be a really good match. I don't, I mean, it's unsanctioned. You can't like have, but this is what I've been saying. NXT has been looking more and more like main roster WWE where the distraction finishes and everything else. And this would be something WWE do. I mean, they did it with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre a few weeks ago where you had a hardcore match that ended in a draw because they both ran into each other with stairs like a bunch of idiots. (laughs) Oh, let's hope that doesn't happen. But that is it for Mr. X's questions. And nobody else loves us enough to send us questions. So... That's it. But if you love us just a little bit to maybe send it a question, you know, once a once a month, you can send it to Curveball. Once a year at least? Jesus God. <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy on Facebook who messaged us about Apollo Crews? Whatever happened to that guy? Let's see. Let's uh let's uh let me uh, go over to the Facebook you, real you quick. You start Facebook stalking people? Just you know, curveballs and chairs. It's like, hey, where'd you go, buddy? Let's see, who who that was uh Oh, no, I, I was like, damn, this motherfucker wrote a big old fucking thing. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that was me replying back. Never mind. That is uh, Christopher Smith. Definitely a real person. From Fresno. Well, Good late Saturday night. Got a cue. Do you think Apollo Crews ever become champion on Raw? No, well, maybe he'll become a champion on SmackDown. That was 7-28-2019. Dang. Anyways, if you would like to be like Mr. X, send in a question via the email, curveballandcs at gmail.com. If you want to slide into the DMs or respond to the weekly Instagram post, go on Twitter and Instagram, curveballsandcs. Everything links down in the description of this podcast. And now let's move on into the wrestling portion of the show. Quickly, we did have Fastlane this past weekend. Uh, the matches were all right. I think the matches everyone's kind of looking forward to. Drew and Sheamus, uh, Roman and Dana Bryan definitely delivered with a surprisingly good Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura match. But everyone was talking about the main event, rightfully so. We get Dana Bryan seemingly tapping out Roman Reigns when the whole story going into it was that Roman's ever been tapped, blah, 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 blah. But the one I really want to focus on, Dominic, is... Did Edge turn heel? We've talked about how the dynamic between Edge and Dana Brand was kind of weird. And now it's come out that it's probably, I mean, it's going to be a triple threat match for the universal title at WrestleMania night two. Your thoughts on, I mean, it's Friday. We haven't seen SmackDown yet and exactly what Edge's rebuttal is or follow up to this angle, but your thoughts on the possibility of Edge turning heel. 
So the only thing that's coming to my mind is no, because of the fact something similar to this was WrestleMania 20, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Chris Benoit. I feel like Edge in this match is pseudo Shawn Michaels because, you know, he can he can be the lovable baby face. He can be the lovable heel. So he has that middle ground of do we boo, do we cheer? We don't know what to do. But when you have Roman, who is the full-fledged heel, Daniel Bryan, who was the full-fledged baby face, so he puts him in that awkward spot. So basically... I don't think he's a heel. I think he's that middle ground, that neutral area where some people are going to boo, some people are going to cheer. And if he wins the title, people are going to be pissed. Yeah, I agree with you. When it is a triple threat match, Roman, obvious heel, Brian, obvious baby face, and Edge just kind of caught the middle. Now, the issue I have is why do this match to begin with? Was it because you looked around, you had no plans for Dana Bryan, you had no other viable people that you can face them off against that would mean any you know matter at all so you just kind of put them in to that championship match it's not like Dana Bryan or Chris Benoit from those 20 and 30 years where you kind of were forced your you your hand was forced you put them in there because they're so hot this might be the coldest Dana Bryan has really been in you know 10 years or whatever but see but the thing but the thing for me though is when you insert Daniel Bryan into that match people want him to win it so you have him cold going into this. Well, I mean, first of all, he was cold going in to Fastlane, in my opinion. And then now you insert him into the main title at WrestleMania. I don't expect him to lose. I expect him to win. Now, I've been can, down this road too many times to talk myself into Dana Bryan actually winning the championship. I mean, hey, in there, done that. But he did win it when he came back. So it's not that... Maybe WWE won't give it to him, but, you know, to cement Roman, you have him go over again at WrestleMania. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't know how to feel anymore. My feelings are, you know, burnt out. My first option would be Roman winning. Now, the, I mean, the reason why, I, ha- I mean, I'm the biggest Daniel Bryan fan you'll come across. I love him, but I felt this. we talked about it after WrestleMania or after Royal Rumble, like Edge, Roman edge returning veteran who wants to quote unquote get the title he never lost and he wants to get up back on that journey i thought it was just an easy story that told that it tells itself but then maybe edge or vince wasn't feeling what edge was doing or blah 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 blah, and they just kind of you know put dana bryan in there because three people are better than two or maybe it is just the fact of edge realized like look i wanted to come back but maybe i don't have the passion i thought i had for it i don't have the body or the lungs that i thought i had for it because that match with uh jay they really worked over the ribs and that's almost code word for you know this person's going to get blown up so we're going to cover for him so we work over his ribs so he can you know quote unquote breathe heavily and you know kind of settle just laying down like that so maybe that's the reason it's more in ring wise to kind of protect edge because they don't think he can have a main event WrestleMania match. I mean, I'll have to wait and find out, basically, in my opinion. He, it, it, it's going to be, I hope, 
it's it has to be either Roman or Daniel. If Edge wins, it's it's bad. Then let's move on to Andrade. He has finally gotten his release. We talked last week that he wanted it. WWE denied it, and now he has officially been released. And the interesting part is he does not have a no-compete clause. So in theory, he can turn up any which where he wants. He can be in Mexico tomorrow. He can be at, you know, AEW, wherever. Dominic Andrade has finally been released. Exciting news. I, I know maybe you have some, some theories where you think, where you want him to go, but what do you expect from Andrade? El Idolo. I think that's what he's going by. I expect big things when he returns to New Japan. So, mask think, or no mask? I would say no mask. Just, well, I would probably say mask, but then because we know what he looks like, it doesn't matter if he takes it off or anything like that. But I think he goes back to New Japan. But because New Japan has that partnership with AEW, you can see him there as well. So I, he's definitely going somewhere like that. I won't, if he goes to Impact, I would be a little, you know, curious, but he can always hook up with Zelina Vega or Thea Trinidad, whatever her name is, and, you know, do something in AEW and, you know, something like that. I, I think that'd be cool. So, but my first thought is going back to New Japan because that's, you know, that's home. Andrade and Thea, Tia, Trinidad. It's definitely a match that people want to see. They, for some reason, you know, in NXT, they were doing phenomenal work. They were even doing pretty good work on the main roster, and then they just kind of blew it apart for no reason. But uh, according to what old Uncle Dave Meltzer said, that uh, Trinidad has signed some sort of short-term exclusive deal we don't know with who, if it's wrestling or non-wrestling related. So she is not going to, and it's not on AEW side. So it's not an AEW deal. So we're going to maybe not see her for a little bit unless something, you know, gets announced sooner rather than later. But I mean, I agree with you. I would love to see him reunite with Naito and, you know, join LIJ again, or maybe he goes down to Mexico, work for either CMLL or AAA. That would be a fun. I mean, AAA already has kind of the relationship with AEW. That could be a nice little open door to AEW. And as I said a thousand times, AEW, AEW, AEW. I think that is the place that if he were to sign, I know people might say, oh, he was buried in WWE, but he is so talented and he's only 31. He is so young. He is like in his prime wrestling wise. I, I'm shooting him to the moon. I think he's that talented. Yeah, you know, his English isn't the best, but his wrestling is so talented. If you pair him with a, a talker, whether that be Trinidad or somebody else, I mean, he can be the guy. Maybe not the guy, but a guy. But one thing I have to ask, Charlotte, where does she fall in this? Do you think there is a possibility she will follow wherever he goes? I don't think Charlotte's going to follow wherever Andrade goes. Now, Charlotte did test positive for COVID. So I would assume that means Andrade has to also be in protocol. He's going to, because I mean, I don't know if they, I would assume they live together. So I would think we're not going to see Andrade for a little bit until we hear the Charlotte COVID situation has cleared up. So I would say if you're kind of expecting Andrade to show up at AEW next week, 
I don't think that's going to happen mainly because of Charlotte testing positive for COVID, but she is so ingrained in the WWE culture. That's the only place she knows they came out with her being the number, I think two woman in history and their little network list they put out. And there were rumors and speculation that she was given an ultimatum. Either we release Andrade and you're not going to make WrestleMania or you make WrestleMania, but we hold on to him. I don't know exactly what is all that, you know, if that's true or not, I would maybe say no, but when it comes to Charlotte, she is so WWE centric that I don't see her leaving. Now, when it comes to Sasha or somebody else like that, maybe because they have that experience outside of WWE Charlotte, that's all she knows. And I don't see her going anywhere. Wonderful. Let's move on. Well, speaking of Charlotte, she, as we said, tested positive for the COVIDs and Rhea was supposed, Rhea Ripley was supposed to debut on Raw sometime. We didn't exactly get a date, but then magically Rhea Ripley was going to debut this Monday and she did after a Asuka Peyton Royce match and Rhea just straight up said, I want to challenge you for the title and we're going to get Rhea Ripley versus Asuka, I believe, night two. Now, Dominic, we're both Fans of Rhea, she just kind of gets plotted into this, you know, high caliber WrestleMania match, mainly because there's nobody else viable to face Asuka. Your thoughts? So the the thing that really gets me, like, really curious and thinking is the fact that, so Rhea last year lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania. The, I don't know if it was the year before the year or two years ago, three years ago, Asuka lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania. So where does that put this match? Do you have either a Asuka losing a title at WrestleMania again, or do you have Rhea losing two WrestleManias in a row? And, and that's with what Charlotte having COVID. Do you think there's a possibility she can be added last minute to make it a triple threat? And and you see, and that's honest to God. What if that happens? You would assume Charlotte would be the winner because of the fact she's beaten both of them. It it just gets me thinking. It gets me nervous. It gets me irritated. The fact that you know, there's I I would have held off even with Charlotte being positive. I would have held the fuck off of Rio coming out. I would have just said, you know what, Peyton, you know. You're going to lose tonight on Raw. You're going to beat her down after the show, and you're going to challenge her to WrestleMania. If you lose, you're going to fucking leave Raw, and you can have her go to SmackDown and, you know, and be Billy's little bitch and beg and plead that go get back with her, with be tag champions again or something like that. And then the night after Raw, or the night after Mania on Raw, Rhea comes out. That's what I would have done. You give Asuka the AJ Lee treatment. She has beaten everybody. So then you just have Asuka beat everybody at WrestleMania and have like that battle royal and Asuka just still walks away champion. I'm fine with that too as well. Until AJ Lee returns and then she beats Asuka for the championship, right? Sure. I'll take it too. So Rhea versus, well, early prediction, Dominic, who walks away with the Raw Women's Championship? It's a draw, double count out, or it's or it's a she's tapping while she's getting pinned or something. You know, it's some stupid bullshit finish because they want to protect both, but they end up hurting both. 
And I will go with Rhea. I think you pull the trigger on her. You drop the ball last year, just push her to the moon. And now we got the dogs out here barking again. We have AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday. They kick it off with Kenny Omega taking on Matt Seidel. This has been a little mini feud brewing on AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. And Omega gets the win in a fun, high-energy, non-tag, ta- non-tag team opener, Dominic. I'm flabbergasted. I mean, I don't know how to feel right now. The hell was that, Dominic? Honestly, I got I, I was looking at something on my phone, and I totally just did not pay attention. Kenny Omega versus Matt Seidel in the Dynamite opener. I swear to fucking God, she gets so many fucking emails. God damn it. Sorry. It's an, it was an okay match. No, I, I I don't know if you feel the same way about Matt Seidel, but I feel like ever since coming to AEW, he very lackluster in my opinion, but to have a match with Kenny Omega and he kind of held his own, I definitely, you know, it was okay, I guess. I thought I think I'm a little higher on the match than you were, Dominic. Like, I thought it was good. I mean, Matt Sadell's 38 years old. They did the running bit of Don Callis calling him a youngster. And we kind of always think that he's a youngster because of what he did in WWE and being Evan Bourne. But I mean, the man's 38. And when you're the smaller, high-flying guy and you kind of look 38 in the face, it's going to be hard to keep up with that image that you had, whatever, 10 years ago. Then we had a hangman, Adam Page, defeat Cesar Bononi. Just kind of a match to remind you, Hangman Page is here. They had a fun little interaction with Page and uh, Adam Silver in the back. I mean, straightforward squash. Just Hangman doing his thing. We don't really know what is next for him, though. And I want more of these just for the fact that it kind of shows you, like you said, I'm here. Don't fuck with me. I'm here to kick ass still. But I really do need them to put a title on him. I don't know. I don't give a fuck which one just needs to happen soon because I feel like he's been there for so long. So many chances, so many balls have been dropped with him. They need to do something for him soon. They did drop the hint of him going after the world title, you know, facing off against his former tag partner. That was just a commentary. It was kind of a passing reference, but maybe sprinkling the seeds in double or nothing a few months away. I mean, do you think that's the match they're heading towards for the world title? Or do you think they're going to maybe build more around the pinnacle inner circle and have kind of a B-level world title match? I got a feeling it's going to be more B-level just because of the fact that, you know, that that's kind of the big thing in AW right now is pinnacle inner circle. Unless something big pops off with Kenny, but I mean, I honestly don't. It, it's until Moxley probably gets back put in that world title picture, it's not going to be very, you know, crucial built around the world title anymore. Just speaking of Moxley real quick, they had a promo him and Eddie Kingston, Kingston selling the ankle from last week's attack. Moxley just kind of saying, look, young bucks, I don't really like you all that much, but I kind of owe you after what you guys did for me last week, setting up a tag, a six man tag. Do you think that's going to be maybe the main event for the WrestleMania week match to kind of go up against TakeOver, that big six-man tag we've kind of been waiting for? Um, probably, just because I, I feel like that's, you know, that's that's going to draw some big big numbers. Then we get Britt Baker with a 
on stage interview promo with Tony Schiavone, very similar to what we saw her doing pre-pandemic with Tony. And just like what she was doing before then, it was fantastic. You know, stellar promo. She calls out McFoley, uh, you know, just cuts down everybody. Just a really good, solid heel promo. And we haven't seen too much promo work from Brit in, you know, the past couple months. But I think this kind of reminded everyone, like, look, you know, she's a decent enough wrestler when she has a big match like Thunder Rosa. She can have that big match, but she can cut these really stellar promos as well. I loved it. I want some more of it, but I need more. I mean, I feel like consistent match wise with her, she has like these really good ones and then she has a couple bad ones and then she has an okay. Then a really good one. Like she's not very consistent. So her promos consistent. Her matches need to be consistent for me to be very high on her. Like, like I feel like you are so, but I, I, I really dug that promo. We have Kristen Cage in the back talking to the Hollywood Blondes and uh, Dante Martin, one of the Martins. And he was just kind of giving a little pep talk. And then Dasha goes up and kind of interviews him asking, you know, kind of a follow-up. And Christian says he has a match next week. He just doesn't know against who. Uh, Frankie Kazarian shows up and kind of challenges him. So that will be the debut match for Christian Cage on AEW next week. Him against Kazarian, two 40-year-olds going to, Go at it. Cannot wait. And what really sucks for me, I don't want Christian to win, and I know he's going to win. I think Grizarian has been there working his ass off, you know, just like 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 he's done his whole career. And Christian's going to come in and just fucking wipe the floor with him, which I don't like. But whatever. I don't think he's going to wipe the floor with him. I think it's going to be more like, I mean, maybe not Omega side out because on that front, you kind of just completely expect omega to win but i think they're more equals than Sidell and omega but overall i think the match will be fine it'll be like maybe 10 12 minutes maybe i mean maybe put it as the opener to kind of catch some eyeballs but i'm not expecting too too much but i will be looking to see what christian can do in the ring then we have the pinnacle defeating the hollywood blondes and that one martin the pinnacle win cut a little bit of a promo after the fact I thought it was good, you know, pro wrestling promo from everyone. I think Dax Hardwood cut a a good promo there as well. And we haven't seen the inner circle yet. Dominic, when do you think we see them, Jericho, everyone, a little of them? What's going on here? We see them in two weeks, guaranteed. With or without Jericho, do you make the inner circle return and then you make the Jericho return a different thing or just have everybody together at the same time? I think throughout the show you have one pop-up and then another and then another and another. And then at the end, you have everybody in the ring and then Jericho makes his grand return. I uh, Maybe not exactly that way, but I think you do really build around Jericho. You make Jericho kind of the last person to come out. You don't make, you know, you have everyone else and then Jericho. Now, whether that's a week or it's all in the same show, we will have to find out. Then we get QT Marshall on the stage with tony he cuts a little bit of promo that he's rodney dangerfield get no respect out here because he's cody rhodes best friend and blah 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 and then cody comes out takes the headset off and says you know i'll face you in this exhibition arn anderson will be the referee and we get this match i feel like every time we see qt on regular dynamite it's like why the hell should i care 
why should I care? I feel like he's a jobber on regular Dynamite. Well, it's because Cody's involved, and I don't know what this means for the Pentagon feud, if that's even a feud anymore. Pentagon was on the show, but he was with Phoenix due to the pack injury. Now, my question is, I thought it was kind of weird they just threw in on Anderson just randomly as the special guest referee. Does this lead to some sort of angle where Arn finally turns on Cody, even though they haven't exactly like spelled out dissension between them? Like, what are you expecting from this exhibition next week? It's it's going to be f- pretty stupid. Um, I don't think Arn will turn, but I'm pretty sure it's going to come down to the end where he's going to be like, all right, you two stop it. And Cody's just going to be like, come on. And he's going to be like, what do you mean? Come on. Like we're a family, not mere family. Woo. It's going to be fucking stupid. So, I don't think it's going to be, you know, he turns, but it's going to be like, he's going to be like a, a dad. Get the fuck in here, shake his hand, get it over with. And Cody's not going to do it because Cody's a little punk. So, you know, something like that. I think QT is going to be more of the punk, but we will have to wait and see. Then we get uh, the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid defeating the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. This was probably maybe the highlight of wrestling on the show. Just, you know, a six-man high-flying, fast-paced, spot, spot, spot. And Brandon Cutler was there as well. I liked it, but what af- what happened after is what I liked the best. Well, after the fact, then Kenny Omega just attacks Laredo Kid. The Young Bucks kind of question him, like, what the hell are you doing? And Kenny Omega cuts a very serious promo talking about how he could have gone, he could have stayed in New Japan, could have gone to WWE, but no, he bet on the young bucks went with his friends and are you guys just going to leave me and he throws up the two sweet and then the young bucks leave him dominic i think this is the best singles promo kenny omega has cut i think maybe some of the stuff with hangman was really good as well but this was i think the best champion level promo we've seen kenny cut in AEW. and that's why i loved it so much the fact that which I got to ask when he said, throw, hang on, throw it up for the hard camera. Was that because he fucked up? Or do you think he literally, you know, said like he wanted to really drive it home? Do you think that was a, that was a, a it's just or? one of the, it's one, it's one of those dumb little Kenny quirks. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. It wasn't a hundred percent fantastic. It was like 96. And that's one of the things I was like, okay, do we really got to say that? Yeah. But so, I loved it just because you can you, you could kind of sense that, you know, when he you know I, I could have went to greener pastures, you know, you're kind of like, oh, you know, he did have a WWE deal. Could have said New Japan. Oh, people fucking loved him in New Japan. He was put on fucking five star matches. But I chose my friends. It's like, how many times have people been in that situation where, oh, I could have went here, but I stayed here because of you. And then that person does that person dirty. So it it, it resonated with me. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, and I got to agree with you. It's going to be fun. I think the six-man tag is going to be a a phenomenal match. Now, who wins? Where do they go from there? We shall see. Then we get Ty Conti defeating Nyla Rose in the typical one-woman match of the show. Conti gets the win. I believe the uh, ratings now say she's the number one contender. We also have a little bit of an attack afterwards setting up Conti and uh, Hikaru Shida taking on Nyla Rose and the bunny. So now the bunny maybe being more of a a wrestling figure in the women's division, but Dominic, your thoughts, you know, Conti getting maybe the biggest win of her career against Nyla Rose on dynamite and kind of setting her up as a possible 
title challenger. I was I wasn't so hot on her in NXT. Now that I'm getting to see her a little more often on Dynamite, I'm I I, I can definitely see why they're kind of pushing her a little bit. Now, do I think she's championship material? Not at the moment, but definitely I think it can be a good match. Um, defeating Nyla Rose, cool, great, grand, wonderful. Definitely, you know, totally realistic that she would beat her up that quick, or not that quick, but that efficiently. But um, can't wait till next week. It's going to be cool. Then in the main event, Darby Allen challenges Johnny Hungy, John Silver for the TNT title. And Darby gets the win. There was a spot where Silver falls over the ring or the barricade and he kind of awkwardly grabs at his shoulder. And he was selling his shoulder for majority of the match. And it turns out that that was a legit shoulder injury. It's not super serious like uh, Danny Birch, but he will be gone for about 46 weeks. So shout out John Silver. I thought it was a stellar match. Darby getting in there with someone who's actually bigger than, maybe not weight-wise, but at least heist-wise, which was an interesting aspect to the match. But I, I thought it was really good, good close to the show, and unfortunately Silver sustained that injury. So, I mean, yeah, it's terrible that he has an injury, but I feel like it's also a good... It, 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 there, there, there's the silver lining is the fact that, you know, you're starting to get a little, you know, there's a lot. The door's wide open now for that TNT title. And I feel like anybody can go for it. Let fucking, you know, some nobody from the back just random go after it. I'm not saying silver is that nobody, but, you know, there's so many people back there. Let someone else grab it. You know, he will be champion one day. I got that feeling. Sting did help out his old boy, Darby. Lance Archer did have a promo in that, I don't know, decrepit building that they cut their promos in. And uh, he kind of called out Sting, not exactly to a match per se, but said, you know, you were an icon so many years ago and you're not exactly that now. Uh, we really heading towards a Lance Archer Sting match? As a Sting correspondent on the podcast, well, uh, I had to switch, had to switch uh, shirts because you know I had to put my Sting shirt on real quick because you know I'm such a huge Sting fan now, or I've been a Sting fan. I but, thought you uh, said your Stink shirt. I was like, well, why are you gonna put on your Stink shirt? Because it's Stink. Because Lance Archer is a stinky bitch. Um, no, but we probably will see it. I don't. I I think I said it last week, the week before. I don't necessarily want to see Sting and Archer because I have a funny feeling that Sting is going to win it because they don't want Sting to lose or, you know, stuff like this. But if if it does come down to it, Sting has to lose. This will hurt Archer so much losing to Sting that it's not it's not going to be good to come back. It's not going to be very hard to come back from. So that's why I don't want to see it. So I really hope we don't see it. Yeah, I agree with you. Especially if it's going to be an in-ring live match, I'm not not going to expect too too much from it. But if we get to put one person over, I would I would want it to be Lance Archer, unless if you have bigger plans for somebody else, like a Will Hobbs or another person I can't think of. But yeah, uh, overall, I thought AW was a, a good solid show. Then now moving on to NXT, they opened with a women's tag match: Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez defeat Io Shirai and. Zoe Stark, you know, having Tony Storm and Zoe Stark 
very confused sometimes because I kind of, you know, maybe you mend them together and you get Tony Stark or Tony Stank. That's going to be their love child. Watch. Watch. But once again, Zoe Stark eating another loss. She's come into the sh- uh, come onto the show and she had the one squash match and they keep calling her this good up and comer, but she just keeps losing and losing and losing. Which means and she'll go to the main roster and keep winning and winning and winning. Watch. Uh, Gonzalez pins Stark setting up the EO match. That will be the main event for night one of NXT TakeOver on Wednesday on USA. I got a feeling Gonzalez might win this now. I was kind of just writing EO just because, you know, kind of, kind of the same thing with Asuka. She's beat everybody. I got a feeling Gonzalez is going to be our new wins champion after night one. Well, stay tuned for our preview next week. Maybe. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Uh, Bronson Reed takes on LA Knight. This was a little little mini feud that's been brewing since LA Knight debuted. And Bronson Reed gets the win. I think this was the uh, the good, the better move. If you got the pick one, I would have picked Reed. I think LA Knight has a certain cap to him. And maybe w- or NXT sees that as well. Dominic, your thoughts on, I mean, kind of similar to Zoe Stark, you bring in LA Knight, has the squash match, and then he has his first kind of significant match, and then he loses. Something we see a lot with these matches, even with Bronson Reed himself. Like, you, uh, who was it? Swerve Scott, I think, had something like that right after he turned, and he loses to Reed, and yeah. But then Reed kind of just go, goes nowhere as well. He kind of stays in the same spot. It's, it's I, I you alluded to it earlier in the podcast that it's, WWE just jumping, you know, jumping back and forth because they are trying to, you know, compete with AEW. Once they go fully to, to Tuesdays, this stuff will stop. I have a feeling. So we just got to put up with it for a little bit longer. Then we get Karrion Cross taking on Oni Lorcan. Lorcan trying to avenge his tag team partner, Danny Burch, who suffered the separated shoulder. He's gone. They had to relinquish the tag titles. Uh, Lorcan. I mean, God bless him. He just absolutely slapped the fuck out of Karrion Cross. He had welts on his shoulder or on his chest. He was bleeding. He had some welts on his neck. But in the end, Cross gets the win. Solid match between these two guys. Really hard hitting. And then this sets up a promo from Cross, kind of calling out Finn. Finn comes out. They have a promo back and forth. And Finn laying the groundwork that, you know, you might be dangerous, but your emotions are going to get the best of you. And when they do, I will take you to deep water and I will drown you. So I just got to say that the match with Lorkin and Cross, fucking killer. When two people like that can put on a match like that, it's it's fun to watch. It gets me curious to see what's going to happen with Finn and Cross because Finn, Finn can fuck you up. Cross can fuck you up. So it's going to be another hard-hitting match. Maybe Finn this time won't break a jaw. But, you know, that's just, you know, my, my uh, hopes and wishes. And if it turns out that cross so the thing i have to ask is when finn says well i don't know if he said it or not but when your emotions get the better of you, better of you i'm gonna pretty much beat you is that do with scarlet or is that just do with him as a person you think like does scarlet have to be involved i would be shocked if scarlet gets involved in the match but if cross wins i think you just put you put him over i know cross he's more the heel 
in this match, but he's such the big badass that just have him beat Finn. I know Finn has been protected quite a bit, but at this point, just have Cross win straight up. No shenanigans, especially if it's going to be your main event of the takeover on night two on the Peacock, blah, 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 blah. Quickly, the uh, tag team title scene. We thought maybe we're going to get Grizzled Young Vets versus MSK for the tag titles, but they include Legado del Fantasma in the Triple Threat at TakeOver. We both kind of think MSK should win. We're kind of on the same boat here, Dominic. 100%. There you go. Then we get Walter taking on Drake Maverick. Poor, poor Drake. He uh, had a death had a death wish when he tried to attack imperium in the locker room and then walter just kills him in like 10 seconds and then walter uh, does a little pose and tomaso champa interferes champa challenges walter for the nxt uk title i know maybe a lot of people are excited for finn or uh, kyle o'reilly versus adam cole but walter versus tomaso champa that is the match i am looking forward to the most at takeover the thing i just don't understand is champa's not going to win because then he would be technically have to go to the uk to right you can't defend that title not in the uk so wouldn't he be kind of obligated to go to the uk so won't you keep walter you know winning and going back i'm not saying walter is not going to win i'm just saying that match is going to be absolutely phenomenal okay we're on the same page then okay 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 then Dominic's girl Shotzi and Ember Moon defend their NXT women's tag team titles against Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez. It was supposed to be, I forget what her other name is, but Robert Stone paid off Mercedes Martinez and they kind of, I don't even remember if they even acknowledged that she used to be a part of it, but uh, Shotzi and Ember Moon get a win against Aaliyah in like four minutes, five minutes. It was not that long of a match. I don't even know why they had this match on the show, to be honest. Ooh. And then backstage, they had a they were doing a little celebratory little dance, and they were having a good time. And then Candice and Indy Wrestling show up and kind of challenge them. Not exactly challenging them, but uh, probably going to have a match at a take on a, one of the days on Takeover. And that means you have new tag champions. I do agree. I kind of wondered at first why you put the titles on Kai and Gonzalez just to get them onto Shotzi and Ember. But having, you know, Indy and Candice be champions with Johnny Gargano, if he's still champion after the uh, Eliminator gauntlet, whatever convoluted shit that William Regal made up this week, having everyone a champ or, you know, three-fourths of the way being champs. I can definitely see that being the way they go. Then Jordan Devlin and Kushida face off in a, stellar cruiserweight match this was technically the main event or i guess the last match on the show devlin gets the win almost had a distraction finish i think am i correct we went this entire show dominic without a distraction finish good lord big ups nxt i mean they almost i mean they had a kind of a distraction finish but the person who was getting distracted didn't actually lose jordan devlin rolls up kushida kushida kind of flips out and beats up on uh, legato del fantasma and we get Santos Escobar and Devlin with a face-off. HBK just shows up out of nowhere, throws a ladder into the ring, which signifies it's going to be a ladder match. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. I mean. And then know. Adam Cole, I mean, I think the thing everyone's talking about is they show Adam Cole and Kyler Riley walking to the stage. 
get a little stare down with Shawn Michaels and Adam Cole, a little seed plant or just everyone, you know, just NXT trolling the internet. I think it's NXT just trolling. Trust me. I don't, I Shawn Michaels versus Adam Cole. Really? It's going to be fucking stupid. Hey, but if Shawn Michaels is like the undertaker and he saw that Saudi Arabia matches being just the dog shits and he doesn't want that to be his last match, do a favor for his buddy Hunter, have a match on NXT against Adam Cole, someone who's always being compared to him. I mean, it makes sense. Okay, fine, fine, fine. It will it happen? Absolutely not, but it makes sense. Let's just get on. Come on. We're, I got to leave here in a minute. Ah, you're fine. Then finally, we did have that Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole contract signing. It will be an unsanctioned match, but the lights will be on. So it's not a lights out unsanctioned match, just an unsanctioned match. And you know, they, they cut a promo back and forth, a little stare down, a little uh, kerfuffle at the end. They had all the security guards holding the back. The promos were fine. They're okay. As I said earlier, you know, the the work, the promo work they've done, the angles and the story they've told, it hasn't exactly built up my expectations. But I do think the match will deliver. Dominic, on the other hand, doesn't think the angles have been that well. And then he also thinks the match will not deliver. That's just because... People are going to be comparing it to so many other matches we've seen. That's the only reason I don't think it's going to live up to it. But, you know, it, it, it and the little com- uh, whatever confrontation, whatever you want to call this, didn't really live up to anything for me either. It was just more of like, oh, I'm going to beat you up. Oh, I'm going to beat you up. Oh, we're going to fight now. Oh, let's hold him back. It doesn't resonate with me. So I just kind of just like, eh, not really into it right now. I think they're relying too much on like the yelling and the cussing and being loud and overbearing with Chomp. I mean, because yeah, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole were in the same faction, but they were never like together, together. Like it was always Kyle and Bobby, Kyle and Roderick. Well, Adam Cole was always the singles guy doing his own thing. Like when it was Chomp and Gargano, they were tag champions. They were always kind of intertwined and they were doing things so when they broke up and they were cutting these promos and yelling it felt a lot more authentic i feel like with this one it seems a little more put on and it's not clicking as well the way i can describe it is two best friends for champa and and gargano it's two best friends fighting with adam cole and uh kyle o'reilly it's just you know two people who don't like each other they were never friends they were more acquaintances if anything and you know they they want to be top dog. And with Chompa and Gargano, it was almost kind of like you never wanted them to see them fight, and then they did. With O'Reilly and Cole, it's like, okay, that's that's cool. We'll pick our favorites, but when it comes to them being like a team or being together, we don't really care either which way. Which, I mean, the match itself is probably... Maybe this match isn't going to be like the best match out of their feud, because I do feel they're going to go another another round or two or... It will be just like Gargano and Jean, where they just fight forever and we're going to finally just be sick and tired of it by next year. But that'll do it for us for today. Thank you, Dominic, for uh, joining me on this 179th episode of the we podcast. We have a 180th spectacular. I mean, that's, I don't know if that's something people do, but maybe next week we will have a 180th spectacular extravaganza. And maybe before then we have an MLB preview. Oh my god. Probably not. Come on, Dominic. What is with you and just putting off the MB preview? 
I'm not putting it off. Like, but okay, I will pick up the studio audience right now, and then I will talk to her, and you will have an answer by the end of the night tonight. Okay, happy. Okay, okay. We'll stay tuned for that. Maybe we'll put it on the socials. And if you want to follow us on the socials, Curveballs and CS on both Instagram and Twitter. We're also on YouTube and Twitter, and I already said Twitter, and we're on Facebook and blah blah. MySpace blah. and fucking LinkedIn and you know OnlyFans, iHeartRadio. Okay. But we just do feet pics. That's all we do. We don't got the bodies for OnlyFans. But we got the feet oh, for we, it. We got Oreo. We can we can you know, have him put on some some dog clothes and be seductive. All right. That'll do it for us for today. Thank you, Dominic, for joining us. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Mr. X, for sending in the questions for the mailman and the little dog and big dog and mascot and everyone in between. Thank you very much. Goodbye and good night. Uh, uh, bye-bye. Let me in.